This morning we are going to open up the word back to Colossians chapter 3 and we're going to continue this. This is sort of a just a, a, a little aside because we were in Luke and we're going to go back to our, our, our series on uh, being on following God's vision for our lives. But we felt that it was really important uh, as you know, Pastor Richard and I talked and the Lord had given him this same passage uh, was on his heart. We, we had talked about how to respond during these times. And so last week's sermon and this week's sermon, and we'll have one more as well, maybe even some after that, uh, as we uh, discuss in our elders' meetings what the Lord brings up. But we want to be here to encourage you uh, to follow Jesus during these times. And so that's why the, these sermons are a little different than where we had been before. But we're going to be focusing specifically on verses 5 through 11 today. And um, our, our emphasis today is on avoiding the crash. We want to avoid a crash when we're in the middle of uh, of a raging sea, when we're in the middle of a storm. How can we avoid a crash? And there's really only one way to do that. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil uh, the the entire thing right now, okay? I'm going to spill the beans on where we're headed. The only way that we can avoid a crash when we're in the midst of a raging storm is if we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Okay, that's, that's it. So we could probably just go ahead and close right now and it'd be okay. But I got more to say. So uh, I think the scriptures have, would, like, would, would add some context to that statement for us today. And before we jump into the word itself, I have a story that I, I, re- I've, I watched on YouTube actually recently. And, um, and this was really cool. I, one of my passions, one of the things I love is I, I love the ocean. Um, those of you who know me well know I'm into the outdoors. Okay, I like all the outdoors. Give me it all. I like the mountains. I like the forest. I love the oceans. And I love sailing. I love being on a boat. Um, not just sailing. I probably actually prefer a motor, to be honest with you. But I do like uh, the idea of sailing. And I, I, I was recently on a sailboat with, with uh, our friend Tim McCoy and Pastor Dwight and, and uh, our friend uh, Sean Larkin and his wife Jill from the UK. And that was a great time, even though we almost tipped over. Um, but that's okay. I know Tim's a great sailor. Uh, <laughs> he can blame, blame uh, us for sitting maybe too much weight on one side. And maybe it's my fault. I don't know. But but uh, there, was a, there was a really cool story I watched on YouTube, and this is about a sailboat called the Comanche. And the Comanche is a 100-foot monohull sailboat. That's, that's a massive sailboat, you know? Um, it's, it's huge. And the Comanche is the boat that currently holds the record for the fastest transatlantic sailing trip for a mono, monohull. Okay, this is a specific, specific type of sailboat. They sailed from New York to the United Kingdom, and get this, in just under, or, or sorry, just over five days and 14 hours. Five days and 14 hours. Can you imagine on a sailboat? And by the way, when you're on a sailboat, somebody always has to be on the deck. Okay, that means they were taking shifts, and they were taking four-hour shifts. Some would be on the deck working the boat. Some would be under, underneath in the, in the cruise uh, quarters sleeping or in the galley having food. And that was how they lived for five days and 14 hours. And they crossed the Atlantic in less than six days on a sailboat. That is amazing to me. Uh, uh, but I love listening to this story because uh, these guys had planned this trip for many months in advance. But the reality is the conditions had to be perfect for them to make this trip in record time. 
you know, maybe they could have jumped on the boat and made it in 10 days without planning. But to make it in five days and 14 hours, which, by the way, is an entire day faster than the previous time that it had been set, to make it in this record time, they had to have a plan. They had to have the conditions to be perfect. The weather had to be right. It had to be the right season for, for the waves to be you know, where it, in the right placement, the, the air streams to be just right. They had to make a plan, and um, they had to know where they were headed. Those are two really important things. You've got to know where you're headed, but you also have to know how to get there. Now, the trip was not without opposition. For, first of all, their, their captain, who, would, who was designated for this trip, was committed to a TV contract, and it just so happened that at the moment they had to set sail, the captain could not be there. So they had to have a backup skipper come on board. And, and by the way, he was not like a guy who didn't know, it wasn't like he was a guy who didn't know the boat. He was the full-time captain. But he was not supposed to be the guy to lead this trip. They were supposed to have another guy who was more experienced lead this trip. But uh, they also had a few other alternate crew members because of other you know, con contracts that were, they had to be obligated to. But when the time came, the reality is they had to go. And these are the words of the navigator. By the way, they had an expert navigator. The man's name is Stan Honey. What a cool name, right? Um, but uh, here's what he said. There are only about two weather windows in a year where a monohull can make it all the way across the Atlantic in one system, and we found one of them. Here's the, this expert navigator who put this plan together because not only did he know where he was going, he knew how to get there. And, and he said, beating this record by more than a day is above my expectations, and I am delighted. For the Comanche to make this, prof, this successful journey across the Atlantic in record time, record time, proper navigation was key. Had Stan, the navigator, not known where they were headed, had he not known the proper course as well as the destination, they would have been in a lot of trouble. Had the crew not trusted their navigator, they would have been in a lot of trouble. And I imagine there were times when that was very difficult. I watched this, this, uh, this, this video, this film of them making this journey, and there were times when they were up against some insane waves. I would not want to be on a sailboat in some of these waves. Uh, I get freaked out on the lake when the waves start getting crazy. We're, we're talking, you know, 10 feet waves as normal. And some of them getting up to 15, 20 feet, even higher, 30 feet. Huge waves they had to sail through. Storms they had to pass through. But they were able to stay true because they knew the one who was the navigator, knew how to get them there. And they trusted the plan that he had put together. And so because they had trust in their navigator, because they, the navigator knew where they were headed, they were able to break this incredible record. And it's it might be a while before anybody else breaks their record. And like the crew on the Comanche, we need to know where we are headed. We also need to trust the one who knows how to get us there if we are going to avoid a crash. So we've got to trust in Christ. And we've got to follow the Holy Spirit's navigation skills in order to get to where God wants us to be. The truth is that crisis situations elevate what is already going on inside of us. If we have a good direction and a good navigator, we can make it through a crisis. But if we have the wrong 
waypoint or navigation point loaded like we were talking about last week. Christ is the better waypoint, the better point of navigation, the one that we want to be pointed towards. If we have the wrong waypoint loaded and we don't have the right navigator, there's a good likelihood that our life will end up in a crash. And again, we're in the midst of a storm right now. So some people are really feeling tossed to and fro. And the question becomes, are we following the right path? Are we headed in the right direction? But not only that, are we following the right navigator? So for most people, this is, this is one of our biggest issues that we face because most people have the wrong waypoint loaded to begin with. And to top that off, they have the wrong navigator on board. In other words, most people's lives are not pointed towards Jesus. And even for people who know they should be pointed towards Jesus, a lot of them don't have the right navigator. They're not following the Holy Spirit. They're following their own thoughts on how to get there, or they're following you know, some self-help guru on how to get, you know, get where they want to go. Even people who grew up in the church, a lot of people really struggle with following the Spirit's leadership. And when the crisis comes, many of us don't know where to go, or how to get there, and so we end up crashing or we end up stranded somewhere, and we don't get to the place that we dreamed we could have gone. We crash because we aren't looking to Christ. And the trouble is that we don't naturally look to Christ, right? They, most of us wrestle with that, even those of us who are mature Christians. We wrestle with the fact that our heart seems to wander away from God. We have too much Adam and Eve in us. And here's the cold and harsh reality. A crash is inevitable unless something changes inside of us. But I want to give you the good news, okay? I'm not gloom and doom preacher here. I want to give you the good news. The good news is that God has a plan to fix all of this that's broken. And that he has gone to great lengths to get us there. And he has given us the direction, and that's to look to Jesus. And he has given us the navigator, the Holy Spirit, who knows how to get us to Jesus. But we have to be willing to be pointed in the right direction and to follow the Spirit's leading. So let's take a look at this passage today. And I'm going to give you three thoughts, and I'm going to go ahead and share with you what those are. Um, the first one is that God's destination for us is renewal in Christ. That's where he wants us to be. The second thing is that the human way, in other words, Adam's path, the way that we are all on in Adam, okay, leads to a crash. It always will. And the third thing is that God's way to renewal is through the Holy Spirit to Christ. It's really important. Through the Holy Spirit to Christ. That's his way to renewal. So, um, let's, let's take a look at this passage. I'm just going to read these verses for you. We're actually going to back up a little bit to where we were last week in verse 4, and we're going to read through verse 11 out of Colossians chapter 3. So here's what Paul writes. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must, you must put them away, put them all away. Anger, wrath, 
malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its, with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in, renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. These are really important words for us today. Because, you know, here's the picture I, I feel like the Lord gave me when I was reading through this passage. And the reason I called this sermon Avoiding the Crash is because uh, as I read through this passage, the Lord gave me a picture of, of each of these sin patterns. And by the way, this is no exhaustive list. And, and these are really not even the things I want to focus on today. There are other sin patterns that are, might be in play in our lives that are maybe more important for us to focus on today, such as um, a desire to control, for control, which leads us to anxiety whenever things are out of control. Okay, such as, um, you know, a desire for a rebellious heart whenever we're told not to do something. That's a tough one right now. I know a lot of people are really struggling with, with government officials saying, hey, you need to stay home right now. There's all kinds of things that might be stirred up right now besides these sin patterns that Paul mentions. But, but these sin patterns in our lives are like rocks. They're like rocks or maybe a coral reef out in the middle of the ocean that if you don't see it and your boat runs up against it, it's going to destroy your ship. And that was the picture that God gave me, and that's why the title of this, this message, Avoiding a Crash. Because here's the, here's the thing. If we're navigating with the wrong directions, with the wrong, with the wrong destination in mind, if it's not Jesus, what, what's going to inevitably happen for us, like we've already mentioned, is we're going to find ourselves, we're going to find ourselves sailing in water that is not where God wants us to be, and we are going to run up against something that is going to destroy us, and that's what sin is. Sin will destroy us. So last week we talked about Christ as the better waypoint. And indeed, he's the only navigational waypoint which can keep our lives from crashing in the storms of this world. So let's look at a couple of things about Jesus. Um, here, here's something that we know. First, uh, like I said, God's destination for us is renewal in Christ. Okay, so here's what we know about Christ. One, we know that Christ lived a human life just like we are living a human life. And we know that Christ experienced crisis just like many of us are experiencing crisis right now. But we also know that Christ came through this life perfectly and without sin. He managed to navigate the storms of life because he always had his sights set on God the Father. Always had his sights set in the right place. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 tells us this about Jesus. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that Christ experienced every temptation that you might experience. Christ experienced every difficulty that you might experience. He went through trials and crisis. He went through difficult moments. He experienced poverty. He experienced great loss. He experienced betrayal. He experienced the government turning its back on him. He experienced 
all kinds of terrible things. And in the midst of all of that, he held steady. Because all of those circumstances were not, those, those, the, the things that were interrupted by those circumstances were not the things that Christ had built his life upon. He was focused on God the Father and the direction the Father had set and, and the glory the Father had for him. And so he went towards the Father always. In fact, Scripture tells us that he did nothing except for what he saw his Father doing. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lived by the Holy Spirit when he was in this world. It's an amazing thought. He modeled perfectly for us what it looks like to live a true humanity. And, and I want to point something out off of this as well, that God has always planned for humanity to be like Jesus. Always. Always. It's not a new thing. It's not like after people sinned that God all of a sudden said, well, I guess now I've got to, you know, make another plan, and it's Jesus, and y'all be like Jesus now. God always planned for humanity to be like Jesus. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 we're told that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created humanity to be like him, to echo his glory to the world, his character and nature to the world and to the universe. He, was, he planned to put humanity on display for the angels so they could see more of what God was like. And, and, you know, one of the reasons why God in the Ten Commandments tells us not to make an image of God, it's because God already made his own image of himself, and that's humanity. We were designed to reflect the glory and character of who God is. Consequently, I think it's really important when Jesus uh, is questioned about taxes, and uh, he tells them, show me a, Ro a Roman coin, and it's Caesar's face, and he says, you give to Caesar what Caesar, but you, what Caesar's, but you give to God what belongs to God. And understand this: that we have God's face on us. So what God requires from humanity is to give our whole selves to Him, not just to give a little compartment of our lives. And when we live that way, we're living in alignment with the reality that God created. But in any other way that we might live. We are headed for a crash because we're living out of alignment with how God created us to be. So when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, he immediately put his plan in to renew humanity into action. In fact, we see that in Genesis 3.15, where he tells the serpent who tempted Adam and Eve, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Christ came into the world to crush Satan in all of his works. To absolutely crush it. And he came as a human because he had to come as a human, as an insider, in order to undo the work that Adam did in his rebellion. And by doing so, he opens up the door for us to live renewed lives through him. Just like our father Adam was supposed to be, now we can be in Jesus. And the third thing on this is that God has never abandoned us, even though we abandon him all the time. We may have turned away from God, and maybe you're feeling really like you're struggling right now in this time. Maybe, maybe you lost it when, when all this craziness started, and you just panicked, and, you, and, and anxiety took over, and you lost faith, and, you, and you, you moved away from God. Your heart has just shifted in another direction, and maybe you're feeling bad about that right now. I want you to know God has never abandoned you. And, and, and he doesn't plan to abandon you if your faith is in Christ. If you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit's plan is to hold you 
even though you may find yourself waffling. But look what Paul preached in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 to 31. By the way, he preached this to total pagans, and here's what he said. And he, God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance by raising him from the dead. It's powerful. Because here's what Paul is saying to these Greeks. He's saying, hey, he's not just the God of the Jews. He's not just the God of one people. We're talking about the God of the entire universe here. And I want to encourage you with something. Maybe you're watching this broadcast today and you're not a Christian. I want you to know that he's not just the God of Christians. He's your God too. And, and he has come to this world not only to renew and restore people who are already Christian, but you too. He wants you to become a Christian so that you can receive the renewal. You realize the word Christian, all it means is little Christ. That's, that's why they started using the term Christian because they were like, hey, you people are weird. You look like Jesus, this crucified guy who was risen from the dead. You guys are living like him. That's all it means is we've placed our lives in Christ and we're pointed towards him and we want to live like him. Christianity is not just some old dead religion. Christianity is about being reconnected to God and living life to the fullest. That can only happen if your life is in Christ. It's the only way it can happen. So, so here's the deal. The human way, the human path in Adam, like we said earlier, it leads to a crash. And, and let me give you some examples of why. Uh, because we set out navigation points for ourselves outside of Christ, we often fixate on destructive patterns which lead us to trust in ourselves and abandon God's goodness. And what happens when we don't trust in God is we are actually out of alignment with ultimate reality in the universe. Right? If the entire universe was created by God and was designed to bring him glory, and then we make it about our own lives and our own glory, we're out of sync with truth. And so it's no wonder it seems like the world is against us and everything is against us because we're out of sync with truth, okay? And so we crash. During the, this current crisis, so many have had a freak-out response. And, and, and I just want to proclaim to you this panic does not come out of faith but out of fear and we fear because we sense the loss of control but if we have jesus as our waypoint our navigational direction then we know that we are headed to a good land even when we are facing down a 60-foot wave and by the way if the holy spirit is on board we know we're going to get there he can navigate those waves he can get us to the place where we are called by God to go. When we feel that we have to rely on ourselves to create meaning and purpose for our lives or, or to save our lives, 
And all it takes is a little storm which destroys what we were living for to crash our lives up against a rock. We start to see how fragile things really are. Still blows my mind that it only took about a week to crash our economy. This thing that we have so much faith in, you know, we put money in the stock markets, and, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things, but, but we have so much faith in this economy and, and, and how strong America can be. And all it took was a little microscopic virus to bring our entire nation and the entire world to its knees. Don't you want to have your life based on something greater and stronger than those things? Like, I do. I want to know that what I'm basing my life on is something that can weather a little teeny tiny virus. I'm sorry. It's, just, it's a little nothing. You can literally kill it with alcohol wipes. It's nothing strong, but when it gets inside of us, it destroys. Christ is so much greater than a virus. And he's so much greater than, than a global economy. He's so much greater than whatever it is in your life that you're finding meaning in that isn't him. Because all of those things will fail. Every one of them. But Christ will stand forever. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to leverage my worldly resources towards something that's an investment that's going to last for all of eternity. And what that means is we will put everything we have into following Christ. And if you do that, I promise you that economy will never crash. But ultimately, these small crashes that we face in this world are nothing like the larger crash, crash that we're going to face if we exit this world without Christ. That's the ultimate crash. If you exit this world, but you haven't trusted Christ... Do you understand that you're going to enter into an eternity? An eternity, a length of time that's forever. You're going to enter into an eternity with your investment in the wrong thing. This is why it's so important for us now to consider this. If we invest our lives into Christ, if he is our navigational point, we're going to enter into eternity pointed in the right direction, and we're going to end up in the right place eternally with the Father hidden in Jesus Christ forever. The Spirit will guide us there. But if we enter into eternity focused on something other than Jesus, then our, that is, that's the direction we're headed, towards a crash. And it will be something that we will not be able to get ourselves out of at that point. You can't get yourself out of it now. The only way you can get out of it is by trusting in Christ. And so I just, I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm not a guy who's up here to scare people into receiving Christ. That's not what I come to do. But I'm also not going to hold back the truth. And the truth is that we have to be restored in Christ now. So let's not wait. Why would you wait? And we're literally in a world where the sand is shifting and we don't know what tomorrow brings. You could get the coronavirus tomorrow. And, and, and you may be perfectly healthy, and that thing could take you. Listen, are we building our life on Christ? That's the question. Because anything else we would build our life on is going to cause us to crash. Here's the final point. God's way to renewal is Jesus, 
with the Holy Spirit's guidance. Okay, this is really important because we're talking about the navigator now. We know where we need to head. We need to head to Jesus. We need to be renewed and restored in Christ. But how do we get there? That's the thing. You can't get there on your own. You never could because we're so broken because of sin. We can't get there on our own. But here's the thing. You can get there with God's help. Christ has made a way. Here's what we know. Uh, I, I listened to a really great webinar, by the way, this week. I, I didn't just listen to it. I was a part of it. Um, and we had Dr. Bill Cook, who's a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he taught this webinar on spiritual warfare. He recently wrote a book called Spiritual Warfare and the Storyline of Scripture, and it is excellent, by the way. Um, great book if, you, if you're bored and you need a book to read right now. That would really bless your soul. But um, one of the things Dr. Cook said that I loved, he said, every Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit the moment we receive Christ, but not every Christian is full of the Holy Spirit all the time. And he's right. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of us who have made a profession of faith in Jesus, and we've received him, and, and we are in Christ. We are saved. We are sealed by the Spirit. He's in us, but we're not living our life full of the Spirit, and so we're more susceptible to the, the blowing winds of this world rather than the, the Holy Spirit, who is a wind, by the way. The Scripture calls him a wind. He's like a wind. And he will always keep your boat true. It's, it's, uh, it's very common for us to miss what God is trying to do because we're not full of the Spirit, even though we have him. And, and I want to encourage you again. I've already said this, but I want to say it again because it's this important. It isn't enough to know the right destination. You have to have the right navigator. Otherwise, uh, you're going to struggle. If we, if we belong to Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit. He's in us, and he knows how to get there. So why not be full of him and listen to where he's taking us and go where he wants us to go? Here's what Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak to you on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's what Christ says. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, is to reveal Jesus Christ. Right? So here's the cool thing. You, if you're a Christian right now, you have the Holy Spirit. And he, his job is to reveal Christ to you. So here's what that means. As you're going along in your life, and maybe you're wondering, how do I get to the next place God has for me so I can get closer to Jesus? Listen, you follow the Spirit's leading. And you may say, well, how do I do that? It's, there are some practical ways. I mean, one of the easiest ones is spend time every day in prayer. Listen to God, right? Like, pray and listen. Now, one of the most profound ways that we listen is also very simple. You open up the Bible, and you ask God to speak to you. We know he's spoken through Scripture, and he continues to do so. He continues to take the words of Scripture, and, and just it's almost like he just highlights the truth into our hearts. And he enlightens us and opens our minds to understand his truth. Look, the Word of God, by, the Bible says that everything we need pertaining to life and godliness is here. But you need the Holy Spirit to guide you. Because there have been a lot of people who've read this Bible and weren't transformed by it. 
the, the difference is between or the difference between that person and somebody who's radically transformed in Scripture is the presence of the Holy Spirit, His fullness in our lives, and we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. He will teach us the way. Um, the, again, Jesus in a couple chapters, a couple chapters before in, Ch- in John fourteen says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. You cannot get to where you are going except through Christ, and you cannot follow Christ except by the Spirit. It's really important. So our job today, and this is this is kind of where we're coming to a point where we're going to think about what God wants us to do. Our job today is to keep looking towards Jesus, to keep following the Holy Spirit, especially in the middle of a raging storm. We see the way the world is responding, and, and we look to Christ, because he's our hope. He's renewing us. And, and I want to tell you, Christian, he will not waste these days for you. If you will follow him, if you will look to him, if you will double down your efforts to 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 uh, grow in him, to have a strong devotional life, to pray, to read the word. If you'll double down your efforts on those things, the Holy Spirit will meet you there and he will teach you and he will not waste these days. Many of the saints of the past experienced incredible growth and received great words from the Lord in times of isolation. That could be the same for us if we're trusting in him. Okay, I want to say this as I close out. God loves you, no matter where you are. Okay, you may be someone who's been following Jesus for a long time. Maybe you're new to this whole Christian thing. Maybe you just stumbled onto this live stream and you don't know why you're here, but for some reason you're hooked. I'm going to tell you why. It's because God loves you. God sent his son Jesus to this world to live a perfect life that you and I could never live so that he could die in our place so that we could be restored and renewed to the people we were created to be through Christ. And now he gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us so that we can know how to get where he's taking us in Christ. And so I want to encourage you. Perhaps you're listening and, again, you've never trusted him. Well, I know he wants you to follow him today. So I'm going to give you three, just three things I see. One, we must see where we have pointed our lives in the wrong direction and how badly this has broken us. We need to, what the Bible calls, repent. Turn away from our sins and turn to Jesus. Uh, one, the second thing is we must believe that Christ is better than anything this world could give us if we want to avoid the crash. We've got to believe in Jesus. Okay? And, and third, we, we must listen to the Holy Spirit. We must follow his path and trust him to renew us in Christ. Like we said, pray, read the word, um, spend time with other Christians. I know it's kind of complicated right now, but there's Zoom and FaceTime and texting, and there's ways we can do that. And make time daily to hear what he is saying so you can stay plugged into his heart all the time. The writer of Hebrews encourages us to look to Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. The, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. I want to encourage you that you can live with hope. You can live with the love of God being the heartbeat of your life. You can help others find hope in Christ. You can. 
Not only can you avoid a crash, but you can thrive and help others avoid a crash by setting their sights on Jesus. I'm going to leave you with the scripture, and Pastor Dwight's going to come. He's got a, a, a word of exhortation. That is one of Pastor Dwight's strong spiritual gifts. He's an exhorter. And so he's going to come and exhort you this morning with some things God has put on his heart. But I want to encourage you, if God has spoken to you through this message, reach out to us. You can email me at nick at newcovenantokc.org. You can direct message us on Facebook. You can send us a message on Twitter. Uh, you can send us a message on YouTube. There's all kinds of ways you can connect us. You can write us a letter at the address we mentioned before. Um, you can even call. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of ways to connect with us, but we would love to connect with you if God has spoken to you in any way, and we want to help you connect with Jesus. And, and even in this time where, uh, where things are so uncertain and we can't be together, you can still join a church, and we'd love to have you join our church, and we'd love to help you trust in Jesus with all of your life. So I'm going to leave you with this scripture. Here's what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Amen. God bless you. You've been listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If God spoke to you or if you'd like us to pray for you, you can email Pastor Nick directly at nick at newcovenantokc.org. If you'd like more information about our church, you may visit us on the web at newcovenantokc.org. We can't wait to hear from you.